That was uh, Malcolm McLaren, Buffalo Gals. Taking us back to the birth of hip-hop. You know, there's uh, not many people that are as influential as Malcolm McLaren. The guy started the Sex Pistols. And then he's on the ground floor of hip-hop and b-boy culture. And that was a hit. Buffalo Gals was a hit. And then I think he branches off into opera and does Madden Butterfly. I mean, Malcolm McLaren was... A complete hustler but the guy was fucking talented and that was actually him doing the little buffalo gals call out there on that track and um 
hip hop was interesting back then. People were physical. You know, they 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 popped and locked and and uh, they were doing break dancing and there was almost kind of a parkour uh, element to hip hop. And uh, now it's just mumble rap. There's no physicality to it. I mean, there was the whole B-boy. I was not a B-boy, by the way. I was, I think when all that stuff was happening, I was around 22, 23 years old. And I kind of moved on from the whole fashion thing. But I had a crew. I had a crew. I was, uh, I worked at this, this recreational uh, center in San Mateo County. And the kids that, uh, that went to the rec center, they're all, they're all working class kids. And they're all, they're all really good kids. I, you know, I really, I really, it's amazing to think how old they are now. Stunning really to think that some of these kids are going to be hitting, hitting 50 years old. These are kids that I worked with when I was in college. And there were about five that were all into the whole B-boy thing, right? They were into the break dancing. And um, I think we had a talent show or something. And I said, okay, why don't you guys get a routine together? find a couple songs and break dance to them. I said, oh, yeah, okay. So, okay, well, I'll, I'll go out and I'll buy some clothes for this thing. It just, uh, what are you going to get us? I said, I'm going to get you some black slacks and some white button-up shirts. And then you can wear your baseball caps or whatever. So I went to, uh, <clears throat> I think I went to a thrift store and I tried to approximate their sizes and I hooked them up. So they all had their their black pants and uh, their their button up shirts and their baseball caps and I think they did two pop and lock routines. So for a brief period of time, I was I had a crew. Yo, shout out to Lakeshore. Jasper, feeling very spunky today. You're kind of blending into the background, aren't you, Jasper? A little bit. Kind of blending because the background is, it, look at him. He's feisty. Jasper is a killer on the loose today. Look at him. He's got a mission. How is everybody? Thanks for being here. Welcome to another edition of uh, 15 Minutes of Flame. It is the 16th of May. As we trundle through the year 2022, um, the, uh, it is a, almost like a survival course. We're in a survival course. From here on out, coming off a uh, close to, I guess we had about two and a half hours last night over on the uh, Sunday Night Astro Live side of things. And we got into some of the astrology around this, uh, this, whatever this is in Buffalo. And you can see it's a theme. I have Buffalo Bill and the Congress of Rough Riders of the World. And I have Buffalo Bill on the uh, thumbnail for today's show. So we're going to talk about Buffalo and specifically we're going to talk about Buffalo Bill because the interesting thing around all this is that I was having a conversation with the one and only Mr. Cruz on Saturday and we were talking about Buffalo Bill. And how the Wild West uh, rodeo shows were used to sell a certain version of 
America and America's history and the whole uh, mythos of the Cowboys and the Indians, which of course continued to this day and the whole idea of the Western and all the stuff that went along with that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Buffalo Bill today and this idea of being buffaloed because it feels like we're being buffaloed. What's her name? Um, Kathy Hockle. Crazy Kathy. God, that woman's nuts. Anyway, now she wants to limit the uh, platforms, speech platforms, because this took place on Twitch. You see what's happening here now? See, this is this is why it's important to support this show. I'm just saying. Because this show operates independent of any other platform. We are not beholden to Twitch. We are not beholden to YouTube. Uh, we are not beholden to any third party. We're able to stream live here every day at 9-11 a.m. And uh, I, could always, I could always use your support. How can you support the show? You can support the show by, there's a donation. Drop down to the right, $5, 10 $20 a month. You get some goodies there. Uh, that's available for you. What do you get? Well, if you're a $10 member, you get 5% off of my services, which as an astrologer, you might appreciate. Uh, you get to attend one free webinar a year. And I think we've already had at least one this year and some more to come. $20, you up the ante a little bit, you get uh, 10% off of my services. And you also get to attend two webinars. The $5 membership, that's out of just pure love in support and um, you get the, uh, the membership newsletter, which I'm working on. You can do that. And the other thing you can do is you can buy CBD, which is a win-win for everybody. And let me uh, just uh, bust out my, I'm going to, I'm going to put together the little video I shot with uh, Christopher on Saturday. It's just a brief video. It's nothing, nothing spectacular, but you get to see a shop and everything. Maybe I'll do a show from a shop one of these days. That would be kind of fun. Maybe I'll do a Friday at uh, True Herbal Science. That'd be cool. So True Herbal Science is where I get my CBD. If some of you have had the uh, good fortune of purchasing some of this and you have a positive review or some positive feedback, please share it with me. I'd be happy to put your feedback here on the site just in terms of a comment. Uh, and you can always put your comment because you can comment on this post right here, right there, right there, right there, right there. You can comment on it if you want to. Uh, so yeah, if you've had a if you had good experience with the, the product, let me know. And again, the, the products vary. There are, there's CBD for pets. Not every pet can, uh, deal with CBD, but many can, and the ones that do generally have very good results from it. And there is CBD for your sleep, aka the gummies. 15 minutes, it's 15. I got to change that. I'll change that today. It just popped into my head. Uh, the, I use the gummies and I just, I ran out of gummies last night. I'm going to have to put another order of gummies in. Although I did get a few proprietary blends from Mr. Lynch on Saturday. That was cool. 
dropping by his place. So you can get anything for your CBD needs, which includes the, uh, there are, there are CBD without THC. He has that. He has CBD with trace elements of THC. So there's a whole variety and spectrum of oils. He has a CBD applicator that you can also get put directly onto your body where it aches and pains. So True Hemp Science, there's a link right there. TrueHempScience.com backslash ref backslash 23. 15 minutes, spell it out. 15, F-I-F-T-E-E-N minutes. Spend 100, you get $20 back in terms of product. Always a good deal. And uh, love supporting our local business people. Our local entrepreneurs, we got to keep people afloat here. That's muy importante. Very important. Um, let's get into uh, Chataria. And like I said, I'm, we're, we're hope, hoping to get our own proprietary blend. Wouldn't that be cool? We got DJMC. What's going on, Michael? Tomas Jordan is in the house. Uh, Empath, also known as another Michael. Tom, you got a Michael? You have a Michael sandwich there? You got a Michael sandwich, Tom. Bungalow Bill. <laughs> That's funny. What's going on, Ryan? Good to see you. Imperfectionist. Great name. Good morning. Back at you. Sony's here in the house. Queen Lisa checking in. Wendy says, the beautiful one. Miss Nikia's here. Tucklebuck411. Let's see who else we have. Uh, is this? We log in exactly at 9-11. Good deal. You, you, caught the, uh, you caught the track today. Good stuff, Robert. Malcolm, Malcolm McLaren was a fucking genius. Uh, were there gentlemen dressed like Charlie Chaplin watching the break dancing? I don't know, Tondar. Somehow I don't think so. Uh, there's Fran, CC Jones checking in. What's going on, Fran? What did you say? Bungalow built Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo burgers are delicious. Yes, they are. Steve, I totally agree. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Buffalo meat going way back this morning. Yes, indeed. Hello, Beverly. Nice to see you here. Merck Retro, square dancing in high school. <laughs> Merck Retro moment. Funny, right? Yeah, the whole, B, the whole B-boy culture was, it was happening. They had tracksuits that looked fresh, clean. They had the, uh, the white high tops, usually Air Jordans if they could afford them. When does Jordan come around? Jordan comes around. Jordan doesn't come around. He does, Jordan does not come around until in a big way post-89. The 90s belonged to Michael Jordan. I hated the fucking Bulls. Speaking of Bulls. Maurice, what's going on? Heavily clouded in Pensacola. I could not see the eclipse. Slept like a baby. Good deal, Maury. Uh, Let's see. Who else do we have? Jake, what's going on, Gucci? G to G. You're getting ready to uh, put your paw print on the world here, Jake. That's coming soon. Can't wait to have you on the show. Talk about your story. It'll be a really good story. David Hawk, I was coughing up a store. Have you ever coughed up a store? What store have you coughed up? I think I coughed up iMagnum one night. Some of you might know. Michael probably knows who iMagnum is. There's I Magnin and J Magnin, the Magnin brothers. 
and they had storefronts. I think it was the iMagnon store that always had these really uh, elaborate Christmas window storefronts. You want to see the hands of a working man? Look at that. That's from digging right there. You see that? That's a blister from digging. See that? And then I got another blister from digging right there. These are the hands of work. These working man hands. Kelly, late to the party. But hey, you did make it. I think it was the iMagnon. The iMagnon windows in, uh, pretty sure it was, in San Francisco. They were always spectacular. You know, you always look, I got to say, Christmas in San Francisco was a thing. It was a thing. It was a cool thing. It was a good thing. You always had the lighting of the tree down by Macy's and uh, Union Square, right? Union Square, which is where they would light the tree. And one year they lit they lit the menorah. That was a that was a weird year. Let's light the menorah. And that's when they had uh, what's his name Perry Farrell. Perry Farrell lit the fucking menorah in Union Square, and that was when Perry Farrell was studying to be a rabbi. It was one of the most awkward transitions of a rock star I've ever seen, ever. Perry, you're going to become a rabbi. Enough of this rock and roll. It's true. Perry Farrell studied to be a rabbi. He might even be a rabbi now. It, I, and I, I hung out with Perry Farrell when I, I told the story before. Weirdest, one of the weirdest moments of my life. Very strange moment. It, it was an inadvertent hang. And that's, this is when, it, I think it might have been the same weekend. I think it was the same weekend. Um, like Saturday night, there was the show. It was, or, 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 it was the same weekend or was the following weekend. That was really a weird time because I, I did not have a place to live. I did not have a place. And I was chasing, I was chasing people around for stories because I was getting paid. It was almost like I was, uh, I was working for, I was working for this website called Getting It. And it was this online magazine. I've, I've talked about this before. It was started by this guy who made a lot of money in porn. So he decided to start an online magazine. And I knew the editor, who's a cool guy. And he was, every, almost every story I'd pitch, he'd say yes. And it was just a matter of uh, trying to find the people and write the story. So I would, I would see who was coming to town, who was around, and uh, try to come up with something. And I was definitely chasing Perry Farrell because... I thought there would be a story there. And I knew that he was going to be at this event and I got free tickets to the event. It was like, when you were a journalist, you can basically free, free anything in terms of admission. And um, so I got into the event and I kept trying to track him down and have some time with him. And it, it didn't work that way, but it, I, inadvertently we wound up connecting. It was very strange. I'm not going to get into that part of the story. I've told it before anyway. But I think it was the following week. I think he was in town for a week, but maybe he went back to LA because it's not that. But he had this big posse. He had about, about 40 people around him. All these hip, young Kabbalists. And I, and I think Perry was going the Chabad route. That's what it felt like. And then I think a week later, he was up on, you know, the cherry picker, right? The thing that takes you up. And he was in there 
with his rabbi mentor lighting the great menorah in Union Square. That was it was crazy. All right, who else we have? Imperfectionist still in here. Yo, back at you. Uh, let's see. The eclipse was conjunct my moon. Ooh. Ooh. Hello from near Buffalo Bill stomping ground spring. Rocky, are you in the Rockies? Is that is that the giveaway? Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? The cube. That's tops. Logo has meaning. Enron. Yes, there you go, Steve. I agree. Uh, let's see who else we have. Oh, here's lurking low-key Thor. The store I coughed up. Maybe Kmart from 1977. I caught stomach flu and vomited in the middle of the hospital waiting room. Did you eat any of the Kmart food? I never ate Kmart food. And I'm pretty adventurous. And even as a kid, I never ate Kmart food. My parents had the presence of mind. I think Kmart had their little like hot dog counter. I think you get hot dogs at Kmart. And they had those, remember those machines where you could get a colored drink. It was like a yellow drink, which is usually lemonade or pink lemonade or whatever. Right. And they would shoot up into the glass part or the plastic part of the machine. So it looked kind of cool. It was like, Oh, look at that. Look at that lovely fountain drink. You know, it's fresh. It looks so refreshing. Um, you're talking about Jane's addiction. I was just listening to Jane says intense song, intense music. It was a good band. I mean, make no mistake. Jane's addiction was a fucking good band. Great musicians. Kmart food was scary. Totally scary. <laughs> I'm like, who eats Kmart food? Should we do a blue light special? A lot of people don't know what the blue light special was. Let's do it. Let's do a blue light special thing. Just for shits and giggles. Just for the old days. Just for the old times. Let's do a little blue light special. Attention, Kmart shoppers. Come on. Jasper's snoring. He's sleeping on the job. I promise you we're going to get to uh, the show today. I've been getting some unpositive feedback. I guess you'd call that negative feedback about how long it takes me to, uh, to get to the actual meat of the show. Here we go. Here we got some old school Kmart right here. Let's play it. It's been a while, but uh, I got to hear this. Attention, Kmart shoppers. This guy's really good. This guy is a, a, a good blue light special pitcher. Here we go. Let's, let's bring him on here. 29,000 views.
thousands. Kmart in Sweetwater. Kmart in Sweetwater. How about that? Blue Life Special. Go get it. You old school, old days. All right, let's get into the show. Thanks again for being here, especially if you're on the uh, podcast side of things. Buffalo Bill Cody. So I went to Buffalo Bill Cody's grave. And this was... 2011, maybe late 2010, early 2011, still there. It's up in the, uh, it's, I think it overlooks Golden, Colorado. It's up in the, up in the mountains there in Colorado, outside of Denver, overlooks Golden, which is the birthplace of Coors Brewery. And it's a very fine little like gift shop. Not so little, pretty big. Actually, you know what I have? I have a, a I have a hat. Maybe I'll wear the hat. I'll wear it tomorrow. Maybe I'll wear it tomorrow. I should have worn it today. I'll wear it tomorrow. I have a hat that I bought from there. And it's a, a, a it's a it's a Buffalo Bill appropriate hat. Let me just say that. So you get all kinds of Buffalo Bill memorabilia. So I, I walked to his grave. He's buried there. Buffalo Bill is a 33rd degree Mason. So he's a, he's a high-ranking Freemason. So what was really going on with Buffalo Bill? Now, this is interesting because as I drove into Austin this past weekend, I had a nice conversation with my buddy, Johnny, Johnny Cruz, Mr. Cruz, and we were talking about Buffalo Bill. And, we, and, and I brought up these Wild West shows that Buffalo Bill did. And... It was, I think, nearly almost at the same time uh, we had Peyton Gedrick, who was shooting people live and live streaming, which is, which is if you're running a false flag operation, that's about as, as perfect as it gets. 180-page manifesto, live streaming on Twitch, the names of 
the the people who were hit by a car in Waukesha, like engraved into the barrel. So perfect. I mean, if you if you're looking for an event to move an agenda, boy, it doesn't get much better than that. It's like thank you. Know, wow, thank you. Thank you for for doing this because it will help move the ball down the field for our, our grand design, which is ultimately to defeat each and every one of you spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Cause that's the, those are all the fronts that we're engaged in, right? Those are the battle fronts. And so they have to defeat us at every single step of the way that you can be defeated physically. Your body can be emaciated or racked, but if your spirit is intact and you have a, you know, an ironclad relationship with prime creator and source, like you're, 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 you're going to be a lot better than people that just don't have that. You're, you're going to be a lot better than that or a lot better off. So, but this accomplishes a lot, this event, let's get into um, Buffalo bill here, because I think this is interesting and what Buffalo bill was, was doing was he was recreating the tale of the West and the taming of the West and, the, and ultimately the cowboy and Indian wars and the defeat of the uh, so-called native Americans. So let's go back here and we're going to look at uh, Buffalo bills uh, Wikipedia page. Now there's also another Buffalo bill who is in the silence of the lambs. Of course, since we're Mercury retrograde in Gemini, there's going to be more than one Buffalo Bill. He's born February 26th, uh, 1846. He dies in 1917. So he's he's uh, coming in, right? He's part of this. Here, here, let me do the screen share so you can see his Wikipedia page. He's literally coming in on the wave of the what I would call the reset period which is the late 1840s and the early 1850s. Everything changes. There is a seismic shift in population, a seismic shift in migration. And we have the strange telling and retelling of the stories of these buildings, some of which are looking like they are submerged under anywhere between uh, six to 20 feet let's say let's say 10 to 20 feet maybe more part of their uh, buildings and part of their structures are submerged so this is where we get the whole idea of the mud flood and um, buffalo bill comes in right around that time he's a pisces so he's going to give you what you want let's read this here uh william frederick buffalo bill cody february 26 1846 january 10th 1917 was an american soldier Bison hunter and showman. He was born in Canada. He was born in Le I'm sorry, Leclerc, Iowa Territory, now the U.S. state of Iowa. But he lived several years in his father's hometown in modern-day Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, before the family returned to the Midwest and settled in the Kansas Territory. Buffalo Bill started working at the age of 11 after his father's death and became a writer for the Pony Express at age 15, during the American Civil War, he served the Union from 1863 to the end of the war in 1865. Now, remember, this is the story. This is his story. 
Later, he served as a civilian scout for the U.S. Army during the Indian Wars, receiving the Medal of Honor in 1872. One of the most famous and well-known figures of the American Old West, Buffalo Bill's legend, began to spread when he was only 23. Shortly thereafter, he started performing in shows that displayed cowboy themes and episodes from the frontier and Indian Wars. He founded Buffalo Bill's Wild West in 1883, taking his large company on tours in the United States and beginning in 1887 in Great Britain and continental Europe. So Buffalo Bill, he is the P.T. Barnum of the Wild West. He is there to literally create and recreate the Wild West story, replete with Indians, battles and skirmishes. And we've seen this before. We've seen this with circuses. Uh, we've seen this with revivals. They're, they're taking the show and they're taking the theater to the people. And they didn't have the internet, at least we don't think they did. Uh, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have TV. At least we don't think they did. But they did have Buffalo Bill and other impresarios who would go from town to town and give people a show. And in this case, convincing people, many of whom had never seen the Wild West, that this is what happened and this is how it went down. Let's get into his early life a little bit. Cody was born February 26, 1846 on a farm just outside of LeClaire, Iowa. His father, Isaac Cody, was born on September 5th, 1811 in Toronto Township, Upper Canada, now part of Mississauga, Ontario, directly west of Toronto. Marianne Boncelli Laycock. I'd like to have the name Laycock. You know who did have that name? It was, um, remember Peter Marshall from the Hollywood Squares? His real name was Pete Lecoq. How would you like to have the name Pete Lecoq? I think he might have been Canadian, too. Wasn't Peter Marshall Canadian? He seemed like he was a Canadian. And he had a son that played Major League Baseball, whose name was Pete Lecoq. Now, he didn't have to change his name to Peter Marshall. That was, that was a funny time because in the MLB, you had Pete Lecoq, you had Rusty Kuntz, and then you had Steve Swisher. All three. I think two out of those three guys played in Chicago. Actually, it was Rusty Kuntz, but just for the sake of uh, adolescent humor, we'll call him Rusty Kuntz. Rusty Kuntz and Pete Lecoq. Um, but that's it, right? Laycock. It's Lecoq. Bill's mother was born about uh, 1817 in Trent, New Jersey. She moved to Cincinnati to teach school, and there she married Isaac. She was a descendant of Josiah Bunting, a Quaker who had settled in Pennsylvania. There is no evidence to indicate Buffalo Bill was raised as a Quaker. In 1847, the couple moved to Ontario, having their son baptized in 1847 as William Cody at the Dixie Union Chapel in Peel County, present-day Peel County region or Peel region, of which Mississauga is a part not far from the farm of, the, of his father's family. The chapel was built with Cody money, and the land was donated by Philip Cody of Toronto Township. They lived in Ontario for several years. So these people had some resources. They were not poor. In 1853, Isaac Cody sold his land in rural Scott County, Iowa, for $2,000, around $68,000 in today's money, and the family moved to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas Territory. In the years before the Civil War, Kansas was overtaken by political and physical, physical conflict. 
over the slavery question. Isaac Cody was against slavery. He was invited to speak at Rivoli store, a local trading post where pro-slavery men often held meetings. His anti-slavery speech so angered the crowd, they threatened to kill them if he did not step down. A man jumped up and stabbed him twice with a Bowie knife. Rivoli, the store's owner, rushed Cody to get treatment, but he never fully recovered from his injuries. In Kansas, the family was frequently persecuted by pro-slavery supporters. Cody's father spent time away from home for his safety. His enemies learned of a planned visit to his family and plotted to kill him. Bill, despite his youth and being ill at the time, rode 30 miles to warn his father, Isaac Cody. Isaac Cody went to Cleveland, Ohio to organize a group of 30 families to bring back to Kansas to add to the anti-slavery population during his return trip. He caught a respiratory infection, which compounded by the lingering effects of his stabbing and complications from kidney disease led to his death in April 1857. After his death, the family suffered financially. At age 11, Bill took a job with freight carrier as a boy extra on horseback. He would ride up and down the length of a wagon train and deliver messages between the drivers and the workmen. Next, he joined Johnston's army as an unofficial member of the scouts assigned to guide the United States Army to Utah to put down a rumored rebellion by the Mormon population. According to Cody's account in Buffalo Bill's own story, the Utah War was where he began his career as an Indian fighter. I guess he wrote this, presently as the, presently the moon rose ahead of me and painted boldly across the face was the figure of an Indian. He wore his war bonnet of the Sioux. At his shoulder was a rifle pointing at someone in the river bottom, 30 feet below. In another second, he would drop one of my friends. I raised my old muzzle loader and fired. The figure collapsed, tumbled down the bank and landed with a splash in the water. What is it? Called McCarthy as he turned back. It's over there in the water. Hi, he cried. Little Billy's killed an Indian all by himself. So began my career as an Indian fighter. At the age of 14 in 1860, Cody was caught up in gold fever with news of gold at Fort Colville the Holcomb Valley Gold Rush in California. On his way to the gold fields, however, he met an agent for the Pony Express. He signed with them after building uh, several stations and corrals. Cody was given a job as a writer. He worked at this until he was called home to his sick mother's bedside. Cody claimed to have had many jobs, including Trapper, Bullwhacker, 59er in Colorado, Pony Express writer in 1860, Wagon Master, Stagecoach Driver, and hotel manager, but historians have actually had difficulty documenting them. Of course, he's a bullshit artist. Probably very little about this guy is true. He may have fabricated some for publicity. Namely, it is argued in contrast to Cody's claims, he never rode for the Pony Express, but as a boy, he did work for its parent company, the transport firm of Russell Majors and Waddell. In contrast to the adventurous rides, hundreds of miles long, that he recounted in the press, his real job was to carry messages on horseback from the firm's office in Leavenworth to the telegraph station three miles away. More likely, that's the story. But he has to build a myth. After his mother recovered, Cody wanted to enlist as a soldier for the Union Army in the American Civil War, but was refused because of his young age. He began working with a freight caravan that delivered supplies to Fort Laramie in present-day Wyoming. In 1863, at age 17, he enlisted as a teamster with the rank of private 
in Company H, 7th Kansas Cavalry, and served until discharge in 1865. So the Teamsters were around back then. Huh? Wow, that's wild. Unions, I guess that's why they're called the Union Army. The next year, Cody married Louisa Frederici. They had four children. Two died young while the family was living in Rochester, New York. They and a third child are buried in Mount Hope Cemetery in Rochester. In 1866, he reunited with his old friend, Wild Bill Hickok, in Junction City, Kansas, then serving as a scout. Cody enlisted as a scout himself at Fort Ellsworth and scouted between there and Fort Fletcher, later uh, renamed and moved to Fort Hayes. He was attached as a scout variously to Captain George Augustus Ames' Battle of the uh, Saline River. And Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer guided an impromptu horse race to Fort Lardet. It was, it was during this service at Fort Ellsworth that he met William Rose, with whom he would found the short-lived settlement at Rome or of Rome. So it goes on and on. This guy's got apparently just, he does everything he possibly can in his life, much of which is probably fabricated. In January 1872, Cody was a scout for the highly publicized hunting expedition of the Grand Duke Alexei Alexandrovich of Russia. He was awarded the Medal of Honor in 1872 for this documented gallantry above and beyond the call of duty as an army scout in the Indian Wars. It was revoked in 1917, <laughs> along with medals of 910 other recipients dating back to the Revolutionary War, when Congress decided to create a hierarchy of medals designating the Medal of Honor as the highest military honor to bestow. Subsequent regulations authorized the War Department to revoke prior Medal of Honor awards it considered not meeting requirements since the introduction of strict regulations promulgated under the 1917 law. So that's coming out of World War I, right? Those regulations required the medal to be awarded for acts of bravery above and beyond the call of duty by officers or enlisted soldiers. Ironically, the law was enacted days before Buffalo Bill passed away. So they enact the law and then the guy dies. Of course. So he never knew a law might rescind the medal awarded to him. All civilian scout medals were rescinded since they did not appear to meet the basic criterion. They got heavy. Uh, Cody's relatives objected in over 72 years. They were repeatedly to the Congress, U.S. Congress, seeking reconsideration. All efforts failed until a 1988 letter to the Senate from Cody's grandson received by the office of Senator Allen K. Simpson of Wyoming when a newly minted legislative assistant, K. Yale, took up the cause in 1989. The legal brief he drafted and submitted to the Department of Defense on behalf of the relatives of Buffalo Bill argued that civilian scouts were technically officers as their Native American counterparts were nominally scouts. However, they were given the rank uh, and pay of officers both for retention purposes. Also, scouts were the equivalent of uh, reconnaissance for the military and thus provided highly valued services. In addition, a practical reason was to avoid mistaking them for opponents and skirmishes. Moreover, the civilian scouts might have normally been officers because of their highly valued skills. So he's trying to sell this, right? So I guess he gets his medal restored after this, but it doesn't hurt that he's a Mason. All right, so let's keep going here. Cody named, uh, received the nickname Buffalo Bill after the American Civil War. We did contract to supply Kansas Pacific Railroad workers with buffalo meat. 
Cody's purported to have killed 4,262, 282 buffalo in 18 months. Cody and another hunter, Bill Comstock, com competed in an eight-hour buffalo shooting match over the exclusive right to, to the name, which Cody won by 68 animals to Comstock's 48. Comstock Park Cheyenne and a noted hunter, scout, and interpreter used a fast shooting, repeating Henry uh, repeating rifle. Right. Lever action. The rifle that won the West, supposedly. While Cody com competed with a larger caliber Springfield model 1866, which he called Lucretia Borgia, after the notorious Italian noblewoman, the subject of popular contemporary uh, Gaetano Donizetti opera Lucretia Borgia, based on Victor Hugo's play of the same name. Cody explained that while his formidable opponent, Comstock, chased after his buffalo, engaging from the rear of the herd and leaving a trail of killed buffalo scattered over a distance of three miles, Cody liking his strategy to a billiards player nursing his billiard balls during a big run, first rode his horse to the front of the herd to target leaders, forcing the followers to one side and eventually causing them to circle and create an easy target and dropping them close together. So there we go. He shot a bunch of Buffalo and won the nickname. We did not get uh, another bill. Buffalo Bill Comstock. So let's get into the Wild West stuff because I think this is where it gets interesting. In December 1872, Cody traveled to Chicago to make a stage debut with his friend, Texas Jack Omohundro in the uh, Scouts of the Prairie, one of the original Wild West shows produced by Ned Buntline. We'll go back and look at him. The effort was panned by critics. One critic compared Cody's acting uh, to a diffident schoolboy, but the handsome performer was a hit with the sold-out crowds in 1873. Cody invited Wild Bill Hickok to the group in a new play called Scouts of the Plains. Hickok did not enjoy acting and often hid behind scenery. In one show, he shot at the spotlight, focused on him. Therefore, he was released from the group after a few months. Cody founded the Buffalo Bill Combination in 1874, which he performed for part of the year while scouting on the prairies the rest of the year. The troop toured for 10 years. Cody's part typically included reenactment of the 1876 incident at Warbonnet Creek, where he claimed to have scalped a Cheyenne warrior. In 1883, in the area of North Platte, Nebraska, Cody founded Buffalo Bill's Wide Wild West, a circus-like attraction that toured annually. Contrary to the popular misconception, the show was not part of the title. With his show, Cody traveled throughout the United States and Europe and made popular uh, and made many contacts. He stayed, for instance, in Garden City, Kansas, in the presidential suite of the former Windsor Hotel. He was befriended by the mayor and state representative, a frontier scout, rancher, a hunter named Charles Buffalo Jones. In 1866, Cody and Nate Salisbury, his theatrical manager, entered into partnership with Evelyn Booth, a big-time game hunter and scion of the aristocratic Booth family. The Booth family plays a really interesting role in America during this time. Walt Whitman actually hung out with John Booth's father in New York and found him to be a very interesting character. I think John Booth's father was also an actor. So the Booth family had all these acting bona fides. Well, that's interesting, right? Um, it was at this time, Buffalo Bill's 
cowboy band was organized. The band was directed by William Sweeney, a cornet player who served as leader of the cowboy band from 1883 to 1913. That's a pretty good fucking run, right? That's, that's uh, 40 years, 1880. Well, no, it's 30 years, my bad. 30 years, pretty good run. Sweeney handled all the musical arrangements and wrote a majority of the music performed by the cowboy band. You know what I always thought was one of the best gigs in America for a number of years was being a member of David Letterman's band. Like those guys had the coolest fucking gig at the time, I think, because they got, they got to play music. Um, they got to play with artists who would use that band as a backing band sometimes. They did their own little interpretations of numbers and they could do session work during the day. You know, if they had session work, they could book that in, which they did. Great gig. Absolutely great gig. Those guys are really, really fortunate. Uh, Let's see. In 1893, Cody changed the title to Buffalo Bills, Wild West, and Congress of Rough Riders of the World. That's a very long title. The show began with a parade on horseback with participants from horse culture groups that included the U.S. and another military, cowboys, American Indians, and performers from all over the world in their best attire. Turks, gauchos, Arabs, Mongols, and Georgians displayed their distinctive horses and colorful costumes. Visitors would see main events of skill, feats of skill, stage races, and sideshows. Many Historical Western figures participated in the show. For example, setting bull. There's another bull. More bull and buffalo imagery appeared with the band of 20 of his braves. Cody's headline performers were well-known in their own right. Annie Oakley and her husband, Frank Butler, were sharpshooters together with the likes of Gabriel Dumont and Lillian Smith. Performers reenacted the writing of the Pony Express, Indian attacks on wagon trains and stagecoach robberies. The show was said to end with a reenactment of Custer's Last Stand, in which Cody portrayed General Custer. This is more legend than fact. The finale was typically a portrayal of an Indian attack on a settler's cabin. Cody would ride in with an entourage of cowboys to defend the settler and his family. The finale was featured predominantly as early as 1886, but was not performed after 1907. It was used in a total of 23 of 33 tours. He did 33 tours. Of course, he is a master mason. Another celebrity appearing on the show was Calamity Jane as a storyteller as of 1893. The show influenced many 20th century portrayals of the West in cinema and literature. With his profits, Cody purchased a 4,000-acre ranch near North Platte, Nebraska in 1886. The Scouts Rest Ranch included an 18-room mansion and a large barn for winter storage and the show's livestock. In 1887, invited by British businessman John Robinson Whitley, Cody took the show to Great Britain in celebration of the Jubilee year of Queen Victoria, who attended the performance. It played in London and then in Birmingham and Safford near Manchester, where it stayed for five months. In 1889, the show toured Europe. And in 1890, Cody met Pope Leo XIII on March 8th, 1890. March 8th, my son's birthday. A competition took place. Buffalo Bill had met some Italian Buteri, a less well-known sort of Italian equivalent of cowboys, and said his men were more skilled at roping calves and performing other similar actions. A group of Buffalo Bill's men challenged nine Buteri, led by Augusto Imperiali, at Prati di Castello neighborhood in Rome. The Buteri easily won the competition. Augusto Imperiali became a local hero after the event. 
A street and a monument were dedicated to him in his hometown in Sesterni di Latina. He was featured as the hero in a series of comic strips in 1920s and 1930s. Cody set up an exhibition near the Chicago World's Fair of 1893. Of course he did, which greatly contributed to his popularity in the United States. It vexed the promoters of the fair who had rejected his request to participate. So he had his own thing going on near the fair. In October 29th, 1901, outside Lexington, North Carolina, a freight train crashed into one unit of the train carrying Buffalo Bill's show from Charlotte, North Carolina to Danville, Virginia. The freight train's engineer thought that the entire show train had passed, not realizing it was three units returned to the tracks. 110 horses were killed in the crash. Had to be killed later. Wow. All right, so let's keep going. So he does all this stuff, right? And look at this. Um, so he's got his Wild West tours of Europe between 1887, 1887 to 1892, and then the last tour from 1906, 1902 to 1906. So he talks about the Golden Jubilee. The Queen enjoyed the show and meeting. The performer setting the stage for another command performance on June 20th, 1887. For a Jubilee guest, royalty from all over Europe attended, including the future Kaiser Wilhelm II and future King George V. These royal encounters provided Buffalo Bill's Wild West an endorsement and publicity that ensured success. Also at the time, Buffalo Bill was presented with written accolades from several America's high-ranking generals, including William T. Sherman, Philip H. Sheridan, and William H. Emery. Of course, Sherman is the insane psychopath who led Sherman's march. We have William H. Emery, for whom Emory College is named after. So he goes on and on and on, on and on and on, on and on and on. We could just spend the next two hours going through his Wikipedia page. Here's where we want to get into a few things here. Cody was active in the cordoned bodies of the Fraternal Organization of Freemasonry, having, having been initiated in Platte Valley Lodge Number 32 on Nebraska, in, in Nebraska on March 5th, 1870. He received his second and third degrees of, uh, April, on April 2nd, 1870, and January 10th, 1871. He respectively became a Knight Templar in 1889 and received his 32nd degree in Scottish Rite Masonry in 1884. I think he probably, I'm assuming you get to the 32nd degree, you're, you're going to the next level. I'm just assuming that. So he was a Knight Templar, and he was a Freemason. And of course, when you go to his grave, you'll see all the Freemasonic insignia and symbolism on his grave. So why are we talking about him today? Well, we're talking about him today because of the fact that there's probably a really good chance that Americans got buffaloed, that not just Americans, but Europeans, and that while Bill Cody, a.k.a. Buffalo Bill, his job was to create a scenario, right? a scenario of how the Wild West was won. And that template inspired all these Hollywood movies about the Wild West. And I'm assuming that probably about 90% of it is just complete fabricate, fabrication at this point. 
complete fabrication. So, you know, what, what was going on here? Well, in my estimation, this is my humble opinion, that people were buffaloed into believing a certain part of our historical context. This is, this is what was going on. And we've, we've seen this with traveling circuses and sideshows and even the revival circuit where these, these events would move around and they would initiate people. Well, this is how it was done. This is the history. And then of course, he has some quote unquote Native American writers, actors who are, who are part of this thing. And they're getting paid, I'm sure. How well they're getting paid, I don't know. Could you imagine being a part of this thing? It must have been a fucking real circus. You know that these people were just body and licentious and they probably fucking party their ass off. It, <laughs> That would be a movie. They did a version of uh, Buffalo Bill with Jeff Bridges. I think, uh, was that a Walter Hill movie? I don't even think it gets close to it. I, I think that there is... Too bad Hollywood's not really Hollywood anymore. I mean, you might get some people who would invest in this as kind of a woke project to show just how uh, manipulative this group was. You might get some of that with Hollywood, potentially. But man, you could, you could tell a story with this thing. I mean, you could tell from the Tartarian perspective, right? Whatever this thing is, like they're just there to essentially spread lies. This is what they're doing. They're spreading lies. They're stamping a historical narrative onto people's brains. This is how we did it. This is how we did it. So that could be part of it. And then the whole backstory, it could get probably very raunchy. Super raunchy. And, you know, and, and the human condition, I'm sure, can be displayed in all of its um, warts and glory. So this is this is what was going on here. People were being were being buffaloed. How many movies were? There? So we have um, what's the latest one? Wild Bill, a film based on the legends about Wild Bill Hickok, in which Buffalo Bill briefly appears. So it's Wild Bill Hickok. Jeff Bridges is Wild Bill Hickok. Keith Carradine as Cody and Ellen Barkin as Calamity Jane. Uh, Buffalo Girls TV miniseries based on legends about Calamity Jane with Peter Coyote as Buffalo Bill. Who else played Buffalo Bill? The Last Ride of the Dolphin Gang starring Buff Brady as Buffalo Bill. You can't make that shit up. Buff Brady played Buffalo Bill. Guy Stockwell played Buffalo Bill in The Plainsman. Michael Piccoli played Buffalo Bill in Don't Touch the White Women. Buffalo Bill and the Indians or Sitting Bull's History Lesson, a fictional film by Robert Altman, which features the Wild West show with Paul Newman as Cody 
Geraldine Chaplin as Annie Oakley. The film is based on the play Indians by Arthur Copet. I think there's there could be one more one more good Buffalo Bill movie here. There's a script there somewhere. So this is what's happening. Oh, look, look at this. Um, Goblin by Tyler, the creator. Features a picture of Buffalo Bill at the age of 19. That's interesting. And then we have Buffalo Bill, a song by Moxie Rhea. Buffalo Bill, a song by a lot of rappers into Buffalo Bill. Congo Youth Culture. Now, this is weird. Movies about Cody inspired a youth subculture in the Belgian Congo in the 1950s with young men and women dressing like him and forming neighborhood gangs. After Congolese independence, some of the Bills went on to careers in the music industry. That is bizarre. Life is strange, right? Very strange. Who is this guy, Dead Buntline? Let me just check him out. He looks like Mark Twain. He fucking looks like Mark Twain. He's a dime novelist. Edward Zane Carroll Judson Sr., March 20th, 320, known by a pseudonym Ned Buntline, was an American publisher, journalist, and writer. So these are the people that are involved in forwarding the narrative. He looks, a, he looks a little bit like Mark Twain. Here, let me show you the page. It's got a bit of a Mark Twain vibe. A Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens vibe. Here it is right here. See him? A daguerreotype of butt line. So, I mean, you know, he looks a little more alcoholic than, uh, than Twain. But he kind of looks like him, right? And there is the Buffalo Crew, Buffalo Bill Cody, Giuseppe uh, Morlachi, uh, Texas Jack, Omohundro, uh, and then uh, I guess some sort of, there's a woman there. It's an interesting picture. Texas Jack looks like a, looks like a brother. So Giuseppina. Okay. So we have, all right, so this is Ned Buntline right here. Looks like he's wearing a wig. I bet that's a wig. Then you have Cody and Giuseppina Morlachi. Morlachi. And then Ch Texas Jack Omohundro. Because Jack is a brother. I'm on record with that. Uh, for some time, six-year-old Carlos Montezuma also was featured in the show as Azteca, the Apache child of Cochise, being the only genuine American Indian on stage. This, I guess this is Ned Buntline's production. So we can see here that these people were instrumental in shaping the narrative. Now, 
one can make a case that this is a psychological operation. That they're going to foment this idea that this is what happened. This is how it happened. There is a continued messaging of manifest destiny. And that through the, uh, the, the taming of the uh, noble savages, uh, we, that uh, the West was meeting its, its dutiful march towards its own destiny. So that, that's all part of this, right? It's also glamorizing and romanticizing cowboy life. And guess what cowboys have a lot of? Guns. Cowboys have a lot of guns. And arms manufacturing was really just kind of taking off at that time. Of course, we have Colt and Smith & Wesson, two of the most famous arms manufacturers. So in order to sell set arms, right, you're going to go out and you're going to have these big shows. Oh, look, they're doing target practicing. I want to do that. Oh, they're killing some Indians. Hey, if we get some Indians out here, if we get some Indians out here, we better take them Indians down. So it's ironic that the rodeo would show up in Buffalo this last week. And it would be the inversion of all of that. And the inversion being, okay, it's time to shut down the, uh, the traveling road show here. And Buffalo is a very interesting place, just in general. Um, when you get into the the kind of the underbelly of Buffalo with the Erie Canal and all that shit, I mean, it's it's almost impossible to wrap your head around the creation of the Erie Canal. It's almost impossible. In fact, I th I'd say it is impossible. Once you really get into how the locks work and how many people were there and how they supposedly built this thing, and not only that, but at one point in time, it was connected to energy. It wasn't just here, we're going to raise the level of the water or lower the level of the water. So these, these boats can literally go upstream. That's what they were doing. They were going upstream. And so the locks would help move them upstream. Right. And, uh, and just boat trap, but they were also using that flow and that energy because there's a bunch of turbines and shit that are submerged beneath the city. It's, it's pretty amazing actually. And it's, it's all pretty much abandoned. There's all these power structures. And so they were using, it was, it was a multifunctional multi-purpose. Um, might even look into it tomorrow. It's, it might be worth looking at just because it's just so mind blowing. So it wasn't just, moving, moving goods, trafficking people from the Great Lakes area, you know, all the way up to the, to the Atlantic ocean. It was more than that. So Buffalo is a, a very interesting place. And it's one of those cities that sits right on the cusp of another country. And of course, on the other side of Buffalo is Toronto. And we have just the, the power and the intensity of Niagara Falls, which, you know, that Niagara Falls is on my bucket list. It is on my bucket list. I do want to go to Niagara Falls. I want, I want to stay in a cheesy hotel in Niagara Falls. I see maybe even a good one. I think they have these hotels where the, where the water like goes right by you. Like I fucking want to stay in one of those places. That's on the list.
that is on the roadshow list. So we're getting buffaloed again. Like this is, it's, it's again, it's part of the circus. It's part of the theater. And just like how Wild Bill Cody used this format and this Wild West theater to convince people that this is how the West was won, that this is what was going on. They're doing the same thing. And they've specifically chosen Buffalo as the place. Now, if you go back to the original days of El Pandemico, uh, there was a gym in Buffalo that said, get the fuck out of here. We're not closing. We are not closing this gym. It was one of those viral videos. It was a great viral video. And they, they ran, literally ran the sheriff right out of the gym. They stayed open. An open act of defiance. So having this shooter in this event in Buffalo, well, it makes a lot of perverse sense in a lot of ways. Because that was one of the places where they took an L. Plain and simple, took an L. And Kathy Hockle is coming up for re-election. And um, she needs to, it's, it's interesting because she's never really won an election. She's one of these Kamala Harris. Well, I guess Kamala won an election. She won the election in uh, San Francisco to be the DA. And then she won the election to become the attorney general of Cal. Can you imagine fucking Kamala Harris? Have you seen her latest video? It's ridiculous. Here, I'll, I'll find it. Let's see if I can find it. It's ridiculous. I mean, if I can't find it, I'll play it tomorrow. It's more classic uh, Kamala Harris-like buffoonery. Not very bright. Just not very bright. Whoever whoever's playing her is a dim bulb. So I just thought it was interesting, and we could that that we could look at this whole kind of circus sideshow with Buffalo Bill, which is which is really a psyop. It's it's a it's a total psyop because they're telling everybody that this is how historically these things went down. And for all intents and purposes, it's likely they didn't. That's not to say that there weren't, quote unquote, Indians or Native Americans. I'm not sure there were as many as uh, they said they were, right? But they were there. I mean, there's accounts, firsthand accounts of Germans settling here in this area and the, and the children getting abducted uh, by, the, uh, by the Comanche. That was a big deal. And written accounts of that. So, I mean, it's not like... You know, these things were not part of the story, but the way that the story is told, the way that it was embellished has a lot to do with how we perceived culture ever since then, including the idea and the mythology of the Western, which is born out of all of this. It's not long after Buffalo Bill passes away that they start shooting silent movies. And of course, you know, one of the big silent movie stars is Tom Mix. And Tom Mix becomes America's first great cowboy. And where did Tom Mix live? The Laurel Canyon. So everything seems to be a bit of a psychological operation. 
uh, on some level. Everything. And then you peel it away, and then what's left? What's left? You know, it's kind of like getting to the center of the artichoke. The artichoke. I don't mind the other layers, by the way. I never minded the other layers. A lot of people, oh, let me just get to the choke. Let me get to the heart. I didn't mind the other layers. I actually liked the progression of going to the sort of, uh, you know, uh, fibrous leaves on the outside and just getting a little bit of that artichoke and then it getting soft. I liked the whole journey. I enjoyed the whole, some people are like, let me get to the fucking heart. No, I like the whole journey. There's something there with the entire journey. So just keep peeling away and uh, enjoy the journey, right? I think that's the metaphor here because if you stop, if you're peeling away, you're not enjoying the journey, you'll go fucking insane. You'll, you'll just go nuts. You know, it's really interesting too, just going back to Malcolm McLaren, he's kind of like a Buffalo Bill. Malcolm McLaren is an impresario, just like Buffalo Bill. He's creating a sideshow. He's creating a circus. He's marketing. Created the whole pump rock thing, pretty much. Him and Vivian Westwood with some help from the Sex Pistols. So he's got more in common with, and I'm sure he even knew that. So let's go back to uh, Bill Cody. Let's see. So he's born, I think he's he's a Pisces, isn't he? February 26, 1846. And then when is Malcolm McLaren's birthday? So we have February 26 and Malcolm McLaren, January 22nd. So, so Malcolm McLaren is an Aquarian. He's a full-on Aquarian. He was he was pretty. Uh, he had a kid. Could you imagine being Malcolm McLaren's son? What's he doing? He's an activist and a British British activist and businessman. Born Joseph Ferdinand Corey. He was born in uh, 1967. He's 54 years old. Oh, he's the uh, he's the son of Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren. Now, I did not know this. He is punk rock's offspring. How about that? Very interesting. Boy, Vivian Westwood, not looking too good these days. All right. I think that's it for today. I think we're out of here. Um, for all of you folks who are uh, have inquiring minds and hearts, uh, Rosie passed away on Thursday. It's a pretty, still pretty emotional about it. So I just thought I'd let you know. I don't want to make a big deal out of it on last night's show. Uh, and we could have during the Scorpio moon, it would have been probably appropriate, but we're still in the aftermath of the Scorpio eclipse. And um, so thank you for all your well wishes and um, kind words. So we'll miss her a lot. All right. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to step what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Bye for now.